Welcome to a new episode of Connection Privé, the podcast published and edited by Clementine Communication. I'm Clémence de Crécy. I'm the CEO and founder of PR agency Clementine Communication. We're based in London. We've been going for over 15 years and we've decided to go and explore the world of podcasting um, about a year ago when lockdown started. It's been a fabulous adventure and we keep on meeting new guests who've got amazing story to share. Connection Privé is all about discussing connection and human connection and it's now been ever more important than before. Today I'm thrilled because I'm welcoming Sophia Longhi, who is a wine communicator, a blogger and a wine tasting host. I'm not going to interview her today. I'm going to let the space to one of my team members called Catherine. She joined the world of PR not that long ago, but has been tremendous at her job. Catherine is really eager to get going with podcasts and live interview either on uh, Instagram or the Medium. So I've let her run this interview and you'll see it's fascinating. Um, Sophia and her are going into a long conversation about the past 12 months, how life has been, how hard or it has, it, it, it has been also for Sophia to get into the wine industry, being a woman, um, another topic which I'll let you to discover. So have a good listening, enjoy the show and please get in touch at the end by emailing us, DMing me and I'll be really happy to answer to all of your questions. Speak to you later. Hello, everyone. I'm just waiting for my wonderful guest, Sophia Longhi, to join us. Um, you might not recognize me. I'm a new face. <laughs> um, I've been working with the team at Clementine Com for a few years now, and I'm really excited to speak to Sophia today to continue our sort of connection privé Instagram live. So I think she's just in the waiting room. So I'm going to invite her in. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thanks. It's always uh, that kind of sigh of relief, isn't it? Where... Yeah. I know. I was thinking as soon as you're here, I could just sort of leave you to it. But um, <laughs> probably not. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. It's a beautiful day here. It's Yes, sunny blue skies. So yes, yeah, no, it is here as well. It's absolutely stunning. I think we all need these kind of bright days. Just kind of really, really makes a difference. Yes, definitely mood lifted. <laughs> no, for, for sure. So I was just sort of saying that obviously we we met we first met um, a few years ago at Spring Restaurant um, in London, which was so <laughs> bizarre to think. You know, obviously restaurants now not really. Fingers crossed. <laughs> soon <laughs> not um, too long yeah, it was it was some time ago and we were we were at that lunch for Domain Clarence Dillon um oh. and we really sort of got on and and we really sort of connected and then afterwards there was a sort of Chateau de Pomar lunch as well mm. that we both went to wow um yeah I know I remember that that was sort of like midday wasn't it and we sort of walked back to the tube together <laughs> um but yeah, I just, we just wanted to say sort of, how are you? How, how's it all been? Obviously COVID, lots of things, lots of changes. Um, but yeah, how are you? Yeah, all good. It's, um, it's been a quite, um, I guess a transformative time really, because 
Um, obviously, we're all we've all been locked down since last year with with some little spaces of freedom. But um, I think we've all had to kind of rethink the way that we work and and how uh, yeah what we're working on and how. So um, I have kind of taken it as an opportunity to um, get more connected on Instagram. Instagram has been like an amazing way to network actually because um, I did that kind of in day-to-day -day life um, a lot before yeah. the pandemic. That was a big... No, definitely. I mean you're a, you're a blogger, you've got your skin and pulp site, um, <laughs> you're on Instagram um, but yeah so how was that kind of transition for you who was already kind of using Instagram a lot in your day-to-day? -day? Mm -hmm. How did you kind of change from sort of adapting to every day to maybe even more so or how did you find that transition in one way it was like uh, now I finally got the time to do everything that I'm, I'm always saying like I haven't got the time to do that so yeah <laughs> it was it was an opportunity to be like okay let's put things in order let's prioritize things um and and yeah I feel like I have been working non-stop actually the whole time I think the first week or two uh, my boyfriend and I were like, oh, wow, we're, we're kind of <laughs> all this time. And we only thought it was going to be two weeks at first, didn't we? So uh, no. drinking cocktails at midday and all of that. <laughs> and then, yeah, no, for sure. Like, yeah, get down yeah. to it. <laughs> so do you, do, you live, so you live with your boyfriend? So you weren't completely alone, um, obviously, during lockdown. Yeah, and our dog. So that's been... Um, we've had Luna for two years, nearly three years now. So um, we live by Epping Forest. So we've been walking every day in the forest. So um, yeah, it's been a kind of time to kind of connect with nature and and kind of sort out, like organise my own working routine. So um, you know, um, I'm quite regimented with a schedule actually. Mm. And I think if you for me, if I didn't do that, I would kind of get lost <laughs> in, uh, yeah. I no, definitely. I mean, I know that for us, so obviously we sort of were always in the office kind of every single day and obviously going, switching online um, sort of almost overnight um, was really good for us, but we definitely sort of missed that connectivity. And also you really need that structure of, you know, even walking to work or getting the tube to work. Yeah. Um, but for you being freelance and obviously with your blog and everything, how how did you find that as well changing because you probably presumably spend a lot of your time kind of with yourself as 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 a freelance yeah so before so i worked part time in grays and feather which is a kind of yeah. fine bar in covent garden i've done that for a year up until the pandemic hit so that that was kind of half of my working life and working with a team and and that was a lovely balance because i had the days working at home on my own and then i could kind of gain energy and excitement from a team of people so that was hard at first to to adjust and just have Luna my dog and and Rob <laughs> around as my kind of people to get my energy from I guess but, mm. but before that before I was working at Grays and Feather I uh, my friend and I set up our own business and we'd done that for four years working either together or on our own so mm. I am used to kind of working on my own and kind of creating my own um, timetable and, and sticking to it. So I do yeah. think that there's that sort of commitment to, you know, even because no one's looking over you, but you know, you, you just think, okay, I'm going to work till five o'clock. I am going to work till five. Yeah, because otherwise you can literally find it's nine o'clock and you're still at your desk and you're like, no, got to 
no, I, I definitely see that. So we kind of want to know, how did you get into wine? Mm. How, how did it start? How did this passion and more than a passion really, because you're, you're a wine communicator, you're a wine educator, you, you've done your WSCT, which I want to talk to you about in a second. <laughs> yeah. um, but let's start with how did you get into wine? I know that you sort of mentioned Joe Wadsack, who is also <laughs> a really good friend of ours at the agency. Um, yeah. But talk us through, you know, your, your love affair with wine. Yeah, okay. So, well, I've always loved drinking wine. I think even as a teenager, <laughs> older teenager, um, uh, red wine was kind of my drink of choice. So I've always been into wine. Um, and working with restaurants. So I was running a business, that, what I mentioned before, with my friend um, managing social media for restaurants. And that was... Mm -hmm four years um and it was at a time when it was 2014 when we started and a lot of uh restaurants hadn't really got a handle on social media at that point so yeah it's so interesting isn't it because it seems like it's been around for ages but actually it's relatively new that brands are kind of using social media as a platform yeah and so we really saw a bit of a gap but like we're both um writers so and at that time actually instagram wasn't as prolific so most of our work was writing tweets mm. and Facebook posts but um one of our clients Randall and Obin a seafood restaurant in Soho they were working with Joe Wadsack because they were redesigning their wine list and he was curating it um and so I went along to a team tasting because we were promoting the wine list and uh yeah just saw Joe doing his thing being so passionate about wine and um and just yeah the way that he did it was so captivating and I think we, a lot of us do have an image of like a bit of a stale and fusty industry sometimes definitely, where, definitely. Yeah. I think as well some of the obviously some of the sort of tasting notes even um I know you know discussing you know now that we're sort of working in wine and discussing with friends some of my friends would be like how on earth did you come up with that kind of tasting note that sounds so <laughs> pretentious so I definitely think there is a call to make it way more inviting and welcoming and yeah. you know demystifying the kind of world of wine yeah and the thing with Joe he took so much pleasure in it and and I think a lot of people miss out on that as well like when you're educating about wine it can seem so serious and you know we love wine because it brings us joy and it always has brought humans joy and that's the point of it so um so basically, after working with Joe, um, he was uh, the person supplying the list. Well, some of the bottles was Anotria. The mm -hmm. so met up with some people from there, and then they advised me to do my WSATs. So I did level one, and, and then shortly after level two. And how did you find them? Uh, <laughs> you make it sound really easy, by the way. Just did my level one, then did level two. Well, they're not that easy. Level three, <laughs> but no. Um, so one was like just a day course I really um really enjoyed it it was like just you know quite fun and um and yeah very approachable I think and some people on the course had been given the course as a birthday present or so it, I, people on the course weren't exactly all people from the industry it was a whole mix of people mm. so um really enjoyed that and then it was just so I mean I do kind of buzz off learning so it was really nice to have that allocated time for levels two and three to really get back in, into the books and uh, yeah and set time aside to study I really thrived off it actually so yeah, yeah. I loved it 
Um, and then so now you're currently taking your level three or you've passed your level three? Yeah, I passed my level three last year, I think. Congratulations, that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the thing that really uh, kind of consolidated all that learning was working in, in a bar at that time and, mm -hmm. and surrounding myself with wine and talking about wine all the time and mm -hmm. tasting wine and pouring wine. So... Um, so yeah, that that is kind of uh, what what brought level three alive for me. Yeah, to, that's amazing because it is such a. I also think everyone has such a personal relationship with wine. You know, wine is such a social kind of human. You know, can you connect with people through wine through discussing wine? So it's definitely that makes so much sense. But yeah. talking of this connectivity, I know that a very important person for you was the wonderful Sarah Jane Evans, yes, um, who also was really contributory towards your kind of love affair with wine. And we were lucky to sort of work with her during the Decanter World Wine Awards, which we PR'd in September. Um, it was a sort of eight month mission with them and it was fantastic just discussing her and all her kind of knowledge etc um, but how was your how does she really ignite this passion for you as well yeah so that was through you guys I think you set up the inf interview for me yeah. um, and I think for a lot of women going into wine um, you don't have so many role models to to look at as men do so yeah. I did find myself kind of every time I saw a woman leading a masterclass or, um, or, or like a woman's name at the top of an article and stuff, I kind of really latched onto that. And I was like, I took it as a, um, a driver, really, a push to, and, and as a message that I could do it as well. And yeah. Sarah, she's just so lovely and approachable and very friendly like you know she's at the top of her field and she was just she had so much time for me and um was interested in my route and kind of what I wanted to do so I think it's really I mean something that I do think is so important is for women to um support each other and, and lift each other up and, and rather than kind of pulling the ladders away up <laughs> so I found I thought that Sarah was like that she really lived that and uh, she I think she does champion other women in wine. wine that's fantastic and I know that you do so you do your women in wine sort of Wednesdays as well um so is that for that purpose I mean I'm not sure if you want to just explain sort of what what got you thinking about that um yeah. Yeah, so so every week I host um, an Instagram live for thirty minutes called Wednesday Wine Women, and um, it was just really to have that platform and that space for women to talk about wine together. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be other women in the industry; it could be just women wine lovers, you know, enthusiasts and students. Um, because I kept hearing the same stories of when women were in like a, a class, like a WSCT class or a tasting, mm -hmm. they kind of, because they were the minority in the room, they often felt like they couldn't put their hands up. They felt quite intimidated. Um, so I just thought that the more spaces that we have to make women feel comfortable talking about wine, um, the better really. And and not just for women, for men, I think. So it's so helpful and useful for men to see women chatting about wine the way that we do. Definitely. We're such powerful consumers. Um, we actually, 
by a fraction buy more wine than men do. So we, we did really... not know that. That's an, that's a great fact. Yeah. So it's not amazing. If you think about it, it's still mainly the mums going to supermarkets doing shopping. Um, yeah. So women have um, a big spending power at the uh, wine. And I think um, the more that we listen to other women, then the better for everyone, really. No, definitely. Definitely. We definitely have a seat at the table um, in the wine world. And also, I know that, um, <clears throat> so last week, Vivant, um, which is an online wine experience platform, for those of you who don't know it, it's the first of its kind to kind of stream live wine experiences. Um, and it was, it started, it's been three years in the making, but it started, <clears throat> it launched in December. And obviously it's come at a really good time with everything kind of going online. Um, and Sophia, you joined the Women in Wine experience because they sort of got together all their sort of Women in Wine producers um, to kind of host this incredible event. And you were part of it. So I'd love to know, actually, I haven't actually <laughs> caught up with you on actually, how did you find that as well? It was amazing. I mean, I because I'd met Michael Baum um, of Vivant at the Burger yeah. thing, and he's from Silicon Valley, isn't he? So he yeah. knows tech. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The, the setup was just so slick and um, interactive and exciting. I think um, I, I really felt like I was there. As a virtual event, it really was hands down the best one I've ever been to. Um, oh. And I loved uh, Katerina, who was presenting it. She just was so approachable again and, you know, and just informed. She knew her stuff, obviously, like, but she... she spoke about it in a very um accessible way yeah it was yeah great. no and you're catching up with Katerina I think soon on your Wednesday <laughs> women in wine as well yeah, yeah on uh, the 7th of April so 7th of April no I'm really looking forward to that I'm really happy you enjoyed that so obviously all these events are kind of so we as we obviously did all these tastings I mean you've been to several for clients um in real life um and obviously we have you know, just had to take everything online within almost a week of, we were really quick to kind of react and do all these online tastings. Do you think that these taste, these online kind of tastings like Vivant and all these kind of adaptive ways that we have, you know, kind of reacted to the current situation, do you think these are steps and measures which we will see going forward and which will continue in society? Or do you think people are still kind of excited about all the events, you know, the real life events. I mean, what do you think? It's an interesting kind of dilemma. I think they'll definitely stick around. I think people will still love to go out to physical events as well. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, as someone that used to run wine tasting events, mm -hmm. only a certain amount of people can come. So people that are, well, I'm talking about events in London. So people that work in London that could come after work that don't have childcare issues that don't have accessibility issues so um, I think it just opens the world of events up to mm. everybody so yeah if you kind of can't get the travel or can't get the childcare or whatever mm. you can still join in and mm. yeah I think it's so brilliant I love it I, I do too you know I think it's one of the things from the pandemic actually which I think has been really positive and also in terms of the environment I mean the cost of some kind of you know people used to get the trains from all over the place or press trips you know we do a lot of press trips at the agency and going on these press trips obviously you can't beat the real life um, but you know these events are probably really good for the future kind of of the planet the environment yeah um, which so is interesting. 
great American notice saying um, someone can attend a virtual wine tasting and not worry about driving home. Yeah. That's another amazing. That's, yeah. No, that's definitely, definitely true. And also I think that lots of, um, lots, I mean, we're seeing with our clients that lots of vineyards have kind of adapted sending little bottles, mm-hmm. um, little bottle samples instead of sort of large bottles, which again kind of prompts this idea of being more sustainable, perhaps, you know, sending less. Um, what do you think about that? What do you think about those kind of small bottle samples? I think it's a great idea. I'm a really big fan of half bottles anyway, because mm-hmm. you get to try some wines that are perhaps out of your spending budget. Um, so that's one plus point. And, and the range of wines in one sitting, you can, you can enjoy those. Um, like you say, less wastage. Um, so the, uh, the environmental impact there is, is better. Um, yeah, I think that's a really great idea, smaller sample bottles. Mm. No, exactly. And, and you think, I, like, I think with tasting, one of the most important things is to be able to compare, like comparative tasting. And uh, so, yeah, so much better for learning. Definitely. And in terms of, so obviously you host lots of kind of tastings, etc., and events. What are your plans for, you know, post, let's talk about what, you know, hopefully, I mean, with all our vaccinations, obviously there's a little blip going on in the papers at the moment, but, mm. you know, post COVID, hopefully the roadmap out of COVID, what, what is your kind of working schedule? What are your events? What is your like ideal kind of image of, of your working life and your kind of relationship with wine? Yeah, I think I've really been a convert to the virtual event world because when I was, um, you know, doing events in London, worrying about getting there early, sorting out the glassware, um, sorting out, opening all the bottles for everybody, uh, making sure there was enough room. Um, I am going to move forward more with the, with virtual events, maybe once in a blue moon, I'll be doing like <laughs> proper big events kind of mm-hmm. Um, so my kind of working format, I suppose, would look like um, regular, like at least monthly ticketed wine tastings virtually, um, some private tastings as well, um, articles. So um, I'm, I'm writing a lot and getting published outside of my blog now. So I want to... Where else, where else can we find your, your words? Where else? Yeah, so uh, Wine Searcher, um, I wrote an article about the positive impact of wine influencers because uh, they've been bashed about. A bit. They have, they have. Um, I, and uh, Wine, uh, sorry, The Buyer, um, I wrote an article for Instagram Women's Day um, about, the, about women in wine, pretty much. And then um, also yesterday, an article I wrote for The Buyer was published um, about... Valpolicella and a family that were basically pioneers in the Valpolicella region. Wow, interesting. So you're really, so apart from that, your writing interests are beyond the blog. So Skin and Pulp, obviously we love it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so interesting. Every, every piece you write is just so, you can just tell you're so passionate about what you're writing about. And it's just, it's just so well written and we just love oh. it. Our clients love it as well. Um, which is so great. So also with your wine tastings, how can people kind of book onto them? Is it all on Skin and Pulp website, on your Instagram? How do people kind of get involved? Yeah, so if you just head to skinandpulp.com, there is a tastings tab. And at the moment, I just put put one up yesterday um, for um, the second Saturday in April. Um, I think it's the 10th. Got it in my diary. I've got it in my diary. (laughs) 
Um, I'm doing a Chilean masterclass. So three, one. Amazing. Um, and it'll be really fun. So, so yeah, I'm selling tickets for that now. <laughs> okay, brilliant. So that's the 2nd of April and you can find it on... Second. Saturday in April. It's one of those. <laughs> it's one of those. And you can find it on your website, so it's all easy to sort of log on. And it's an hour. How long are your kind yeah. of? What is your an hour? Yeah, an hour long. So, um, and I'll, yeah, I send three bottles through the post. Um, mm. and, uh, yeah, just a Zoom format, yeah, but it, it'll be fun. No, that sounds amazing. I mean, yeah, definitely, definitely good. I, there are, it's so brilliant, actually, to sort of... Also, Chile, I love Chile. I was in Chile for eight months, and we actually did go... I did go and look at some of the vineyards. Um, oh. And it's just... It's such an amazing country. It's it's a difficult getting there. <laughs> um, but I love it. I mean, have you been yourself as well? No, and I would love to. I think um, Chilean wine for a long time has been kind of overlooked a little bit. Like people think of Chilean Merlots as being like yeah. quite affordable and they don't realise that Chile actually produces some really premium wines. And the, it's like the perfect sure. growing climate. They, they've never sure. had a um, it, Yeah, it's brilliant. So I can't wait to kind of explore the wines of Chile further with with everyone who comes no to definitely definitely well Sophia I won't hold you any longer as I know that you're probably <laughs> incredibly busy um, but thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us uh, and it was really nice to kind of have a little catch up I hope everyone enjoyed it um, we'll be doing these sessions um, hopefully lots more um, and also everyone go and check out Sophia's Skin and Pulp um, and her event on the 2nd of April Saturday 2nd of April Second, no. <laughs> second, no. Second, sorry, I said it in a really confusing way. Um, I'm looking at my calendar now. Okay, it's the 10th of April, guys. 10th of <laughs> April, 10th of April for Sophia's wine tasting with Chilean Thanks. wines. Yeah. Happy Friday, Sophia. <laughs> Happy weekend, everyone. It's Friday. It's Friday, <laughs> finally. Thank Thank you so much for listening to Connection Privé, a podcast produced by Clementine Communication PR Agency. This episode was mixed and edited by Chris Osborn. For more insightful interviews about networking and the power of human connection, make sure to subscribe to Connection Privé on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And if you like what you hear, please leave a review in the Apple Podcast Store or tell a friend about us. I'm your host, Clémence de Crécy, and I hope to see you again soon. À bientôt!